2: Um, that was one of the, that was one of the themes that I kept coming back to, which is that like panic is potentially as big of a problem as, um, as the actual disease itself. And I guess I was kind of telling myself that
1: you're listening to war college, a weekly podcast that brings you the stories from behind the front lines. Here are your hosts.
3: Hello, welcome to War College. I am your host, Matthew Galt. Uh, normally I have a written intro here up at the top, or I kind of go down points, but we're living in odd times, and I decided I kind of wanted to speak off the cuff to you, the listeners. Uh, As I'm sure all of you are aware, we are in the middle of a pandemic, actually probably more likely at the beginning of a pandemic. Um, By the time you hear this, don't know how bad or how much better things could get. Um, One thing I do know is that a couple times in our life, we are going to live through moments of great change, and I think we are in the middle of one of those, or again, at the beginning of one of those now. Um, and we, a lot of us don't know what's going to happen, including stupid podcasters. Uh, there are smart people that think they know a little bit about what's going to happen, but there's so many variables and so unknowns with this thing that, you know, we don't know what our life is going to be like in a year and how it's going to have changed. Um, But I know that we'll get through it, because we tend to get through these things. Um, And here to help us work through some of that panic and some of that fear is Mike Pearl. Pearl is a journalist whose work has appeared in Vice, The Outline, The All, and The Hollywood Reporter. He's also the author of the book, The Day It Finally Happens, Alien Contact, Dinosaur Parks, and Other Possible Phenomena. Sir, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
3: So the reason I wanted to have you on the show, uh, you know, we had talked roughly about six months ago, uh, right when your the book first came out, um, and now it, uh, it finally happened,
2: Mike. <laughs> one of the situations in the book finally happened. Yeah,
3: w- one of the situations in the book finally happened. I, I reread that portion earlier today. It's not quite a one to one.
2: Thank you for noticing that. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, "This is just like what's in your book," and I was like, "Did you read it? Did you actually <laughs> read it?" Yeah.
3: Uh, no. So you, in your book, the, the situation that you outline is the day the antibiotics stopped working. Right. Um, and you gave it a five out of five chance. Um, uh, and again, we're obviously dealing with a virus and not a, uh, uh, not bacteria, but it's similar. The situation you kind of set up and the conversations you have are, are there's, there's parallels here. Can you kind of talk about those a little bit?
2: yeah so when I wrote that chapter, you know what I was trying to capture was a little bit different it was it was the idea that um uh antib- it was very different it was it was focused on the idea of um of bacteria becoming immune to our antibiotics and so it was it was really about superbugs, and that is not what this is. This is just a regular old virus um, and uh so when I wrote that. I, it was also my excuse to write about a pandemic. Um, so, so I did the fictional, the fictional section at the beginning of the chapter, uh, touches on, um, you know, economic collapse and, um, borders being shut down and, um, and all of the cool stuff that happens in, you know, all of the, in all, in all of our favorite pandemic fiction. Um, but I didn't go into, uh things like social distancing i mean i it like maybe a tiny bit um i talk about how we are um we are now a lot more familiar than we once were you know during say the time of the plague the black plague uh we're familiar with the basic methods of you know not acquiring a pathogen like not um stealing the clothes of people who've just died from the actual effects of the pathogen, because that will likely um, also kill you. Like we know things like that. And they once did not know things like that. And that makes a huge difference when it comes to this, this stuff. And, you know, by the time of the Spanish flu, they also knew that. So we're not really, (laughs) we're not really that much. um, In a lot of ways, we're not really that much further along than, than the, than the Spanish flu. Um, but because of that difference, because of the difference between bacteria and viruses and it, and that chapter really, really was focused on bacteria, I kind of am kicking myself that I didn't do, that I didn't find a way to work in another, uh, another pathogen chapter because, you know, it's, it was, (laughs) it was just right there. Um, and it was, and that's because the research that I did for that chapter was the sort of like, uh, the, the, the brief, the brief flirtation that i had with writing a chapter on zombies i was gonna like i was gonna sort of do a bait and switch and be like what i'm actually writing about is a virus um and then i didn't end up doing i didn't even get very far into that but so so what we're living through now um according to the logic of my book is is my version of a of a zombie apocalypse uh so here we are in the zombie apocalypse doesn't feel very fun
3: There's there sure are a lot of good TikToks though, right?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean there the the um this is really a this is really a time for um a time for the regular old reporters to shine and for the for the like long read writers and the think piece writers to kind of fade into the background and for the old-fashioned just going in and telling you the facts reporters to just to just blow them out of the water
3: i uh, you know what, great i'm gonna share more opinions on this show than i normally do on on a typical episode of war college again we're in strange times listener thank you for indulging us um op-ed writers i think too probably need to get less traction right now. Yep.
2: Right. <laughs> it is not your moment. Yeah.
3: No, it's not. Let's, and, and that's a cross political spectrum. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, they, people need to sit down and shut, uh, shut up. And again, <laughs> let people that do actual decent, just the facts reporting to kind of come out and shine. And that's part of what's going to help us get through this. Um, good journalism, Yeah, which which is something that personally I'm worried about in my field at the moment. Uh, Everything's kind of okay right now. But again, this thing is going to have ripples throughout the entire economy and we don't know what's going to happen. We just don't. And I think that fear of the unknown is a big part of what I'm grappling with. And again, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is that I remember in our last conversation you were taught you told me that kind of one of the reasons that you started doing this kind of work and researching these kinds of topics and wrote this book is because when you face a fear and you learn about it it helps you manage it um, and i'm wondering how you're managing your fear at this moment
2: um so not the answer is not well <laughs> uh i mean how how, how do you, how do you in terms of your like um anxiety level on a daily basis like where you scale scale one to ten or however you measure it like where where are you um
3: i'm a fairly anxious person but i eight i'm gonna say an okay. eight
2: yeah i think that's probably about where i am i mean i'm f- feeling a lot of new emotions like um i'm somebody who i'm somebody who tries to downplay the idea that like the minute, like, the shit hits the fan, we'll all just, uh, kill each other for the last sandwich or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't really, like, I haven't, I have not really observed that to be true in, in actual, um, scholarship on crisis situations. Um, it seems like there's more of a, like, sense of coming together. But when I'm out at the grocery store, I, like, and, and I just, I want a bag of rice I want a regular bag of rice so that I can know that I can make rice multiple times a day and 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 be sure that I will have the like calories that I need in ca- just in case all of my packaged food and all of my like quote unquote like normal food that the everyday stuff if that falls away, then like dry goods beans and rice at least i know at least I'll know I have that and then I'm at the store just trying to make sure I have. Those backup beans and rice and stuff. And, you know, I see it I see a big row of empty shelves and there's no there's no rice. There's absolutely no dry rice. I can still find some like packages of precooked three dollar three dollar a bowl rice for morons, um, and sort of like placate myself that at least I have that. But that feeling like you know, there's no there's no rice, I feel like a surge of really visceral um really visceral apocalypse panic and a lot of and a lot of like i hear the laughter of like of like the 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 type of preppers that i kind of like have always resisted the urge to become the kind the the stockpilers the people with the ammo bunkers um you know i have i have maybe 200 rounds of 22 ammunition for my for my like squirrel shooter rifle um i have not i i'm not i'm not a big gun shooter um but i certainly didn't hoard ammo um i have like uh i have like two weeks of food in my pantry and i f- and i sort of feel the panic that i know the preppers w- are laughing at me for feeling you know i feel i feel so and then uh and then a uh, um a kind of like a calmer part of my superego comes in and says well the supply lines are still fine there's no there they're the 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 rice may not be in the store but the but the rice but where the rice comes from nothing has changed so far that's all fine the rice will come <laughs> i have i've since gotten my hands on a little bit of rice um but that 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 real end of the world feeling is you know is realer than it's ever been in the past you know and i was ha- like i woke up in a cold sweat last night like i like i did that thing where you fall asleep for like 45 minutes and then you just <laughs> you wake up and you're just like you know sp- heavy breathing and all that um you know and my wife's just like what what's why are you why are you, you sitting had, you had a, bit, right of in, a, you have a yeah. bit of
3: a panic attack
2: had the old fashioned, yeah, falling asleep panic attack, you know, and my wife just like, what's why are you sitting up in bed? And I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, absolutely nothing. no I just completely fine. <laughs> I wasn't just I wasn't just having visions of like uh people, you know, looting a grocery store and us starving to death. I certainly it wasn't it certainly wasn't that. Um so I'm not I wouldn't say I'm handling it well at all. <laughs> I would say I'm in a I'm in about as dark a place as you can not as dark a place as you can go, because I'm I'm fine. I seem to be healthy. I don't have the virus,
3: right? But also think about the places that are similar to us that are ahead of us, like Italy, yeah. right? Which is terrible. People are dying. Cases are spiking. Grocery stores are still open. Grocery People stores are still, are still open. getting food. Yeah. So and I
2: keep checking. Uh, I keep checking. Our grocery store still open in Italy. <laughs> I keep like I I want to I. I want to know the second – if the, if they aren't, <laughs> if the food supply is interrupted in Italy, I don't want that information sneaking up on me. <laughs> I, wanna, I really want to be on top of it. I – like in the same way that I want to know the, the worst-case scenarios in good times, I am <laughs> out there at the tip of the spear. The way my anxiety works is I'm out there at the tip of the spear uh, trying to figure out where the worst-case scenarios – are currently and how are they declining and becoming even worse case scenarios uh constantly got to know
3: in this specific case then is that helping your anxiety at all or is it
2: making it worse i mean that's the question right it's it's making me feel i think what it's doing is it's making me feel sort of in control when i when i have absolutely no control but that that sense of inform, that sense that I like have good information at least gives me that illusion. Uh, I think we're, all- I think that's kind of where we all are. I mean, I, I, um, last time we talked, I think that was, um, during my long absence from Twitter, um, which was really good for my anxiety, really good for my mental health. Um, during this, I have not been able to stay off of Twitter. It's, it is. That's what. That's the only place information moves fast enough.
3: It's a nightmare too, though. Yeah, and it's and a nightmare. Like a really, and we have to be really careful because like misinformation and disinformation and panic also spreads on Twitter very fast. And like a small kind of low stakes version of this that I watched um, it was two or three days ago now. I you know I'm working for Vice. I'm writing a lot about the coronavirus. Uh, I'm writing a lot about specifically like right to repair issues kind of around it, like how, all right, this is how you hack ventilators to get more people on. And, you know, here are people that are sharing do-it-yourself recipes for how to, like, how to, you know, make your own ventilators, these kinds of things. And I'd had, like, three stories that day, and I'd shared them all on Facebook, like I normally do. And then log in a little bit later, uh, and they'd all been flagged as spam, Right. (laughs) And this is, this is the first time I'd ever, this is the first time I'd ever had anything like this happen to me. I'm not like a, I'm not a notorious shit poster. You know, I'm not putting lots of stuff out on Facebook. Um, and then I'm like, oh, you know, there's a moment of like, oh God, what's happening? This is bad. They're censoring. You know, there's that flash of lizard brain panic that goes off in my brain. Then I log into Twitter and it gets worse because it's happening to everybody and all the journalists are on Twitter and what they're doing we're all speculating. We're all sharing that we're being, you know, that we're being quote unquote censored. Well, it's a technical glitch, right? But for like a couple hours, there was this mass panic amongst the journalistic class on Twitter. We're um, in there was a lot of smart people that I know and respect that were sharing bad information or sharing complete speculation. Uh, that kind of stuff's not helpful. I don't know how we stop it. I don't know how we, you know, because like, you know, that lizard brain in panics, um, and you lose a little bit of the control over your actions. Um, and I wonder if, and this is kind of something I think you kind of saw broadly as you looked at these topics uh, in your book, if sometimes the panic and the fear and the secondary effects of something like this are so much worse than the actual uh, problem itself.
2: Yeah, I, I think they I mean that's kind of what I, in my in my huh, in my pandemic, chapter the one about the bacteria not about viruses um that was one of the that was one of the themes that i kept coming back to which is that like panic is potentially as big of a problem as um as the actual disease itself and i guess i was kind of telling myself that you know um and now looking at that it's like thinking about how slow the um Thinking about how slow the response to this was, uh, I once again sort of kicked myself for for sort of playing the media critic when I was when I was right when I was writing my only chapter that touched on pandemics, I didn't, I didn't. It wasn't about virus pandemics. It wasn't the movie *Contagion*. Um, I that wasn't that wasn't what I was trying to write. But if I had, I would have talked about the urgency uh the urgent need for testing at times like this and the urgent need for people to be activated with social distancing and stuff like that and and like the difference between putting those measures in place quickly and efficiently and panicking in response to the media because they're they are different things and so you get so And then you get responses like Elon Musk with his like, um, you know, panicking about this is bullshit. You get Trump saying that it's that it's fake news um, because like it is kind of it is kind of like it makes you seem cool. To be like everybody's panicking for nothing. It makes you seem like the. It makes you seem like a calm, collected person who like uh, everything. Everything just sort of like bounces off of me. I know that I uh, people are clearing out grocery stores. What a bunch of morons! Uh, everything's fine. I'm Evangeline Lily. My kids are still going to martial arts camp or whatever. Um, and uh, and like no, you you there's you 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 have to sort out. The right. You have to have the correct amount of fear. That's what, that. That is the that is the point that I'm trying to make um, in like everything that I write. You have to, you have to know how bad bad things are in a and as precise a way as you can ascertain, so that you don't just resort to one or the other. So that you don't just say it's the apoc-, So that you don't say it's the apocalypse. Fuck it. First of all, so that you don't say that. Because this is because this isn't going to this isn't going to extinct humanity. It's just a matter of how uncomfortable we're going to be, and how mi- and how big of a tragedy it's going to be, and how many how much mass death there's going to be. But we're we're not going to go extinct from this. Um, and, uh, and so you don't want to do that, and then and then you also don't just want to like go to your bunker or lose your mind and become a become a like doomsday prepper. Um, or the wrong kind of doomsday prepper. And you also don't want to just dismiss the whole thing. You know, if there's one thing I was trying to do when I wrote the book for myself anyway, it's to figure out how scary, scary things are so that I will be, you know, emotionally ready to, to seek out like the, the facts that I need in the moment and get through it. Um, and, you know, I think we're all kind of like, like all bets are kind of off at this point because because we 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 didn't have a very we we were so, we were caught so totally flat footed by this we all were caught, we're just you know all of our pants were down um you know I think not to not to, again not to sound like Trump and be like nobody predicted this of course people predicted it but we we had heard (laughs) warnings about contagions in the past and um, had not quite processed them in this way. We had not realized what it meant. I mean, in a a very literal sense, we had not processed the fact that we'd all be stuck in our houses. I had not processed the fact that if the contagion happened, that I would be um, right here in my, in my office all day long because that, because that would be the reality. I mean, that would have been that would have been the takeaway um, of a, of a chapter if I had written it, but I, I didn't process it that way. So having the right amount of fear, having the right amount of you know, trying to trying to gauge the right amount of panic. It was the, the it was the concept that was trying to guide me as I wrote the book. Um, it's like. And and my book was about a different kind of pandemic than this, certainly. And in, and it sort of like I I didn't give myself this assignment, so I can kind of forgive myself. But am I kicking myself for not for not envisioning this? I totally am. <laughs> I totally am. I wish I could have I wish I could have guided people through this exact thing. Um, and I, and I, now I feel like I'm playing catch up, writing a ton about it trying to feel some kind of sense of control. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I owe it to myself. I don't know if I owe it to other people. I'm not, it's not, it's not like I'm everybody's resource for this kind of stuff, but I had, it's like, I feel in my own head, I'm like, you had one job. And it was to figure out what was the right amount of panic for something like this.
3: Let's take a quick break right here. Uh, you're listening to War College. We're on with Mike Pearl talking about what everybody's talking about.
1: Selling a little? J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: All right, War College listeners, we are back on with Mike Pearl talking about the coronavirus when you say we we ignored warnings are you talking about america specifically
2: or the planet kind of more broadly um (laughs) yeah i mean i i guess i'm talking about the planet more broadly with the exception of like like the the densely populated eastern coast of china where they are where they have like a pretty good uh A pretty good sense of how to deal with these things because they've dealt with a couple of them in the recent past. Japan, Korea, Singapore. um, they, They, I think, had all envisioned this in a clear and lucid way because they'd all lived through it fairly recently. So, you know, they had things like fever clinics to send people to. They had the ability to just zap you with a zap you with a thermometer gun as you're getting on the bus and usher you away to a fever clinic where you can get tested. They they were able to put explain, that infrastructure Explain
3: um, explain what a fever clinic is. Cuz this is something I learned about recently actually. I hadn't heard about them until all of this started.
2: So, when so um, this was something that they set up I think during SARS. And then, and they, and they, and they had just, they had just shuttered them. They had just kind of shuttered them for the next pandemic. And then they reopened them. And what they do is they, um, they take your temperature when you're somewhere out in public. And if you have a fever, then you, then they're going to tell you to drop what you're, they're going to make you drop what you're doing. They, you know. They're an authoritarian country. They, they will seize the authority necessary to say, you're not going to grandma's house. You're going to a fever clinic right now and you're going to go and figure out what you have so that we don't have a person with the virus just out there. Um, so it's a, so it's a matter of being able to, uh, figure out who's at risk in the immediate vicinity. <laughs> For, you know, or see, seeing who's, who's a, who potentially has the virus in the immediate vicinity by taking people's temperatures and then sending them to these n- numerous fever clinics where they'll be, um, cohorted and tucked away. They'll be, they'll be contagious but isolated until they figure out whether or not they have the pathogen of the moment. And then if they find out that they have a regular flu, then they're like, okay, you have the flu. Uh, you know, go home and drink some soup. Or the or they'll be like, well, now you need to go be isolated uh, because you have the pathogen that we are that we are dealing with right now, and that that set of like testing and isolation procedures just keeps so many. It obviously it doesn't keep all contagious people out of um, out of like the out of the streets off the buses out of the trains not in stores but it moves so many vectors for disease into isolation that you end up seriously it works it like seriously reduces the the uh, amount of spread that you get in that in that critical first moment you know before it's been determined that it's a pandemic um they they seriously bring down their numbers and i mean this was the practice that this is the practice that they had especially outside of wuhan that like really really helped to slow and and you know in some ways it looks like completely halt the um the like rise of the of what what at the time was just a a china-wide epidemic and in singapore you know uh, that's that's kind of even (laughs) in some ways more authoritarian than china um it's a weird country uh and they had they had similar and i think even more stringent testing procedures there and that worked great you can go to a crowded you know sushi restaurant and eat hand rolls that were pressed into a ball of rice that you know right in front of you by a sushi chef and be confident you know that that you're not going to have you could be doing this right now if you were in Singapore <laughs> and it, you know instead we're all we're all locked in our houses so obviously there were people who had envisioned this for for Trump to say like oh this 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 totally took us by surprise that's bullshit. It didn't take everybody by surprise. But I do think for the most part, the U.S., Europe, Australia, we, we, we mostly, for the most part, were, were, were caught completely off guard. I feel bad about that, but, you know, it's not like people turn to me for <laughs> information in, in times of every crisis. Um, but, yeah.
3: Something else that caught my ear as we were talking is what's the right
2: kind of doomsday prepper? i mean i don't know we're we're we're, we're in the process of we we are totally in the we're that's what we're figuring out right now i guess um i don't i didn't i i've consistently not had enough dish soap in my house through this process um which has resulted in me having to go to the to the store a lot and um you know and and every time you go to the store no matter how careful you are that's you're introducing you're introducing so much chaos no matter how many like um no matter how many wipes you use on all of the hand carts and stuff like that you still you know shouldn't be out there so it's like oh well i i am learning that i did not stockpile even reasonable stuff correctly just for just to be able to stay home i would have thought that i could stay home for 2 weeks because you know just as a rule of thumb you should be able to stay home for 2 weeks you should be able to just whatever you're doing you should be able to just sort of like drop everything lock your doors and stay inside for 2 weeks it's not the apocalypse it's just it's just sort of like you know if you need a shelter from a hurricane if like if there's some kind of natural disaster out there as just as a rule of thumb i think in the in the in the safety world you should have 2 weeks of supplies on hand um and that's always been my that's always been like the guide in the back of my head i always i guess i just always figured like i have i have 2 weeks of supply give or take i don't have like an excel spreadsheet of all of the things that i need but i have i have give or take 2 weeks of supply and this has taught me that that no i don't I'm totally um I'm totally at the mercy of the the grocery store, the retail in my neighborhood to sort of like keep myself um reasonably alive and safe at home. I'm totally at the mercy of all of those silly uh silly retail establishments um those like disorganized crappy uh, grocery stores and and various kinds of retail that like that that you know the, the all of those places that are the scenes of um, of like meltdowns in movies about the apocalypse like i 'm totally I still am totally dependent on those so i was not i did not learn even the reasonable lessons of of being a prepper to my own to my own satisfaction. I thought I had. <laughs> I thought I had a handle on it, but I'm learning that I did not. Uh, so I guess that's my answer. But I, but I, but I don't know because now because we have so we have so much still to learn about what we're supposed to have in our houses, and um, and and we still and we still really, really do not know what's about to happen and and what we need to be ready for. You know. Now
3: again, we're recording this on uh, the twentieth of March, and I don't know exactly when it will get out. Uh, But thinking like the next two weeks are going to be very interesting in America.
2: Exactly, I know. That's what I was just thinking as I was saying all of this stuff. It's like it's like in three days, are people going to be firing up this podcast and going like, I can't listen to this. This was before martial law. Like this, (laughs) this is you can't use any of this information anymore. It sounds silly now. Uh, So yeah, Um, you know it's it's weird as we've been. I've been
3: taking a lot of comfort in dispatches from the past, like listening to pod, listening to some of my favorite podcasts from like a year ago. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, you, I see. I find well, some of that stuff is interesting. If it, if you go back, if you go back and listen to stuff from like two weeks ago, it all sounds so silly and naive.
3: Yeah, that yeah, that's no good. Yeah, I agree. Like you have to go back like at least six months. But yeah, just from like very very recently, yeah, it's no good. It doesn't work. Uh, it it has to be something i mean I, I guess that's uh i guess that's encouraging me to get this one edited and out quickly before everything's completely outdated and we sound like complete fools
2: yeah uh <laughs> yeah because like yeah i mean my 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 parents are getting information from um i have this uh a a distant relative i don't i don't think i'm in any way outing this like very very distant relative who is um you know he's a, he's like a he's like a big NRA guy. He's in his he's in his sixties. He posts a lot of Facebook posts that use the cry laughing emoji. Um, if I'm kind of like try, I'm trying to paint a picture of, of yeah, I can
3: uh, I, I I know that guy yeah yeah.
2: So he. Um, he has a he's he's pretty well off he has some kind of business i think it sells i don't know like pharmaceutical he's not somebody i know very well i think he's just like owns a pharmaceutical middleman business so he's a millionaire and um and he's been feeding information to my parents who are also in their 60s and uh so he was one of the people remember when that rumor went around a couple of days ago like on tuesday trump's gonna shut down everything and uh and, you know, you're going to you're going to need to you're going to need to stay inside because there's not going to be there's not you'll only be able to go to the grocery store and everything else will be shut down. You won't be able to use your car. And then he got he, you know, he, he woke up the next morning and was like, oh, that was fake news. Blah, 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 and that was nonsense. So it was like, who's spreading this rumor? Well, he's sti- that whoever where, that rumor mill is still pumping because he was on the phone with my parents last night saying like. No, that's still going to happen, and then this time there's going to be the military rolling through the streets, um, patrolling for for looters because there's going to be so many looters, and and I was like, I was like, I said like as my parents were telling me this, I was just like, okay, calm down, we're not there. (laughs) Um, There are there are like all of these health department warnings um, that are telling us to to shelter in place, but at the moment. It's not shelter in place or be shot. And it's we're not at the point yet where tanks are rolling through the streets. We're very we're still very far from that. And as I'm saying that to my parents, I'm like, Yeah, that could happen, but we're not we're just not there yet. And like I had not really I had not really kind of like drawn a roadmap from where we currently are to tanks rolling through the streets. And I was just like Oh man, they're just they're only jumping the gun by like maybe a little bit. <laughs> we might not get there. We might not, you know, we may may well. I hope to god we don't get there, but uh but yeah, totally conceivable.
3: <laughs> which I'm curious about this. Which state are your parents in?
2: Oh, they're also in California. They're also in okay. Southern California.
3: So you're all in Southern, Okay, you're all in Southern California. Um sure, it is a different scene here in the south where I am. <laughs> wow. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, we do have the uh, we do have the empty grocery stores, but it just happened the last few days. Um, And it is mostly like if you want to go to a Kroger or a Walmart, it's going to be fairly reasonable. But like uh, the more upscale ones are the ones that are kind of wiped out. Uh, I was driving around today. Uh, just before we hopped on this podcast, I just kind of wanted to look and see like what a feel of the streets in the neighborhood were. Um, and the Chick-fil-A was packed. Restaurants, dine-in are closed, but the drive-through for everything was completely packed. Uh, there's a Bunt Cake store that is still open. And I watched two women that are post sixties kind of shuffle into it. You, today
2: you saw two today today literally cake store
3: two literally hours before we hopped on this call yes wow um the people are people here are not that was uh it's just not the same here it's a different different culture and a different attitude and people are not as afraid yet now you go down i live kind of on the outskirts of the main city and you go down into the main city and it is much more deserted uh but it's it's kind of it's everyone's having a different reaction to this and panicking at different levels and afraid at different levels. And I think there's a lot of people that are going to be defiant about what they are supposed to do until it gets really, really bad until it affects someone that's in their family. I think. Yeah. Or no, someone that's going to be,
2: that's going to make all the difference. Right. Because like, because like, I think I really think like um, the, the, the news consuming, ethos of 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 a lot of people is that you know everything that happens on the news is a cool show um that doesn't really impact you and your and your politics kind of only change you know when you have a, like when you when when a when a news event affects somebody in your like immediate family i mean it was like like 10 years ago there were all of these stories of like republicans being like i'm pro gay marriage because uh, you know, my daughter's gay, and I realized that she deserves l- love or you know, whatever. And, you know, and you just see this and I don't mean to and I don't mean to launch into like old fashioned partisan stuff. It sounds so outdated now. But it's just like, there are so many people in this country who really only they they do not make a connection between the news and real life. And and like that i mean that's that's the point i'm trying to make it has nothing to do with gay marriage or whatever but like like the news is the news and real life is real life and ne'er the tween shall meet and you know and and i think a lot of us here in the here in the city i don't know for whatever reason um have a much like shorter there's a much there's much less air between what happens on the news and what happens in real life for us somebody else tell me why that is um but yeah, we got there. I guess we, I guess we got there faster. I don't know why.
3: Oh, I mean, I think the answers that, I think the answers to those questions are complicated and maybe out of the purview for this particular podcast. Right, right. Um, little, little bit we did it to ourselves, little bit. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so i just set that aside. Yeah. Um, Another thing, something that you other, another thing that I've been really has been going through my mind, and that you touched on uh, earlier in this conversation, that I want to bring it back to, and I kind of want to drill down on a little bit is that, um, you know, when we watch Walking Dead or we watch these shows about, you know, mass panics in the apocalypse, uh, you know, people are fighting over bread in the grocery store aisle, and society collapses very quickly, um the truth is that we have a lot of firsthand accounts and a lot of data on what happens in crisis situations. Uh, We know what it's people have written about what it's like to live in and survive in war zones. People have lived through pandemic pandemics and written about them before. And something that I think is very interesting that I am starting to see stories about right now is that these times of stress tend to increase social bonds Yep. Uh, people tend to that's come right. together.
2: Yes, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it doesn't,
3: it does, like, society doesn't fall, like, life changes, civilization changes, but it doesn't collapse, right? There's no complete end of everything. People come together, especially in the communities immediately surrounding them, people come together and help each other. Um, and that's part of how humanity has survived as l- and thrived as long as it has. It's because we are programmed to do this, and every time something terrible happens that comes through
2: yeah i mean this is everybody right now everybody should be reading um if they can get their hands on it rebecca solnit's uh paradise built in hell um this book about studying you know how people respond to like you know uh trauma in their immediate vicinity basically when there's when there are natural disasters war scenarios um You know, and she and she like there's this there's this dichotomy uh, between the concept that she calls elite panic and uh, and civic temper and civic temper is this um, is this concept where, um, you know, outside of like, you know, away from authority and away from the elites. um, There's this sort of like we're all in this together mentality that just springs up spontaneously And the, and you suddenly get all of, all of these things that like, you know, up until now in, in news narratives are typically dismissed as like holding hands and singing Kumbaya. They always say like, this isn't, this isn't soulnet. This is me. Um, Oh, people, people just don't hold hands and sing kumbaya when people are constantly appealing to like quote unquote human nature. Human nature is thought of as the idea that like everyone's in it for themselves and will kill you the second they do not feel a hundred percent comfortable. Um, and, and it's like taken as a, it's taken as an article of faith, particularly in America. The minute anybody doesn't have theirs the minute they don't feel a hundred percent secure they're an they're a wild animal they go feral and you cannot count on anybody to help anybody else ever and zombie fiction is based on this cultural myth <laughs> and it just does not it just does not conform to you know reality basically and the reality is that like we'll come together i mean i think we're gonna i mean. We don't we don't really know what's coming but you know wherever you are in the next in the next couple of weeks you might there there are two major hospitals about a mile from where I live. Uh I happen to be in like a a hospital dense area of of LA and um like children's Hospital and, and the Kaiser Emergency Room. LA, LA Children's Hospital where they do like children's heart transplants. A lot of like inspiring news stories happen there. Um, and, uh, and those places are going to be overrun. And it's going to... I mean, they might be. They might be overrun. Uh, you know, it's sounding like it <laughs> really could happen. And um, when that happens, you know, I feel... An obligation if they need me. If they say they need me. If they say people are going to die. If they can't move supplies and they just simply don't have enough people. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I I don't know if I'm having hero fantasies or what. But like I'm. I, but but I, I. But those places are in my neighborhood. They're close by, and and everything I read is telling me that 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 people inside of those buildings, who are in my community, who are doing things that that are. Extremely noble and and to me heroic. They're in they're in there and they're worried, and and I'm not. I don't think I have an especially altruistic temperament. But if they if those people in there say they need my help, they need me to come out and and move boxes because stuff's got to get moved. If or, or 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 they they just need something they need manpower it's like i'm here i'm ready i'm not doing anything you 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 got it and and i don't know how many people in my neighborhood feel that way but i'm guessing it's a good percentage (laughs) um and, and 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 if you and if you look at something like paradise built in hell you see that that's not in any way an unusual instinct i'm not saying these things because i'm a good person i'm saying these things because people when they, when it comes right down to it people are people get worried about their community and people learn people become interested in their neighbors when they weren't before and they want to help helping feels good it's selfish <laughs> it feels good to help and it and it pops up in in times of like uh, of stress and you know you 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 wouldn't think so based on our zombie media but like but that actually is what happens
3: You know, I have an an anecdote about this specifically, you know, I'm on, do you you know what Nextdoor is? Of course. Yes. We're being encouraged to use it by the County of LA and I, well, I'm, I'm on it. Um, I'm on it right. I'm on it right now. And I've been, I've always been on it. It's kind of a grim fascination for me because it's usually pretty terrible. Um, And I will say that most of the time where I live, it has been like a lot of, kind of paranoid crime reports and people sniping at neighbors and in the past two weeks it's completely changed it's a different place wow um and every we're setting up like uh networks of people to go and get food and supplies for people that can't leave their home because of you you know conditions that they have or because they're older and they don't need to get out of the house and people are setting up uh like chore networks to help people out like it is even even here, where it doesn't feel like the panic has kind of taken hold as much as it has other places, that's still what pe- some of people's first instinct is to set up these networks and start helping each other in the neighborhood. Um, and it happened very almost overnight. Um, so that's amazing.
2: You know, I've been afraid to look at next door. <laughs> I should I, go I, on I, there again.
3: You know, I th- everyone's neighborhood's different, but I think that. I think that you should – I think you should look. I think it might give you a little bit of hope, actually.
2: Yeah, that sounds – that actually sounds kind of inspiring. Um, And, and I mean, here, it's not even – it's – It's LA, so it's like, it has a tendency to be like, um, a lot of like parking related (laughs) stuff when you go on next door. So I have a feeling, um, people are a lot less worried about parking (laughs) than they used to be. Like there's a lot of bars and restaurants around here, and so people are like, you go on next door and it's just like, um, People are parking in the wrong place. They're putting in a new row of restaurants. Where are the people going to park? I demand that my parking pass be respected in these streets. Blah, blah, blah. is It was like, for me, next door in this neighborhood was like, it was, you know, parkingcomplaints.com. So, uh, yeah, it sounds good. I'll, I'll, I will check it out because like... uh it sounds like it could be inspiring for once.
3: Yeah, I think everyone's going to be – and I think this is a good lesson for us to learn, um, and one we maybe haven't really had since World War II in this country. Um, people come together in times of crisis. Yeah. They really do. And this is going This is going to prove that point right. Um, that with pandemics, there's always a, like a level of paranoia because – and I think this is part of why the fear is so bad for stuff like this is because it is invisible. Yeah. Um you know and that's that kind of that thing that sub zombie fiction speaks to, right? You don't know who's infected um at the beginning. Yeah. Uh and that's going to hit us too, but I think the the overwhelming need to help each other is is going to win out. It it in the literature um and
2: in history it always does. It does. I mean, it it it's cause for mixed in with your pessimism. I think that kind of thing is cause for cautious optimism. You know, when like right after like right after 9-11, if you can if you can cast your mind back that far, there was this whole New York post 9-11 thing where everybody was being nice to each other for like a month and uh, everybody was. Everybody was babysitting for each other's kids and checking in on each other and everybody was smiling at each other on the streets and um, and that was just out of like a, a shared sense of like grief basically and and a need to like manage the sort of like repairs and the and the and the big like huge um, crater that that came from that but but like most of the city wasn't directly, most of the city wasn't you know they had they had dust in the air but they weren't like they weren't quarantined or anything like that and yet there was this sort of like this like time to be nice and then we immediately turned around and nine eleven turned into a um a global forever war that we're still in um and so we don't have like we don't really have a lot of positive memories of um of like the fallout from nine eleven. um but yeah, I mean, this is this is an like. Hey, I have a question. What do you, where where do you think this falls on the scale of like world events? Is this uh, more Are we in something more significant than nine eleven? Uh, less significant? What do you think? Where, where do you think it's going to fall on that scale? Per, me personally, yeah. um,
3: I think this will be more significant than nine yeah. eleven.
2: Do you think this is going to? Okay, interesting. I think you're probably right. I mean, we have no, it's we have no idea, but it's fun to guess. What about, yeah, like, uh,
3: that's that's something I do want to stress. Is like. Th- I'm just a guy that likes to read books and ask people questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, and so I don't know, but yes, that's my personal opinion based on the little knowledge I've got in this world. I think this will be bigger than that. This will affect our lives more.
2: That's wild. And like, yeah, I was, I, I was talking to, I was like playing those guessing games with my wife the other day. I was like, um, I was like, so this isn't going to have this, this, They nobody's projecting a death toll as high as World War Two, but is this like potentially a bigger deal than World War She was like, nah, it's not a bigger deal. And I was like, okay, fine, it's not a bigger deal than World War Two. But we're having that conversation, you know? (laughs) Ah, it's
3: Yeah, a couple like a couple times in every life there's gonna be two or three of these things. Yep. Um This is the second one you and I have lived through. Yeah. Uh, and I, it is going to, it is going to change the way we live. I just don't know how yet. Um, yeah. you can't, you can't toss millions of service workers out of a job and not have repercussions that are bigger than just they're out of a job for a couple of weeks. You know, like there's. There's all these knock-on effects that are further than just the pandemic itself. Yeah, a lot of people are going to die, um, but there's going to be huge effects to the economy. Uh, there's going to be new legislation. There's an el- it's an election year. You know, it's just we don't know. It's going to be different. I can't tell you how. I just know it's going to be different.
2: R- remind me, how old are you? Uh, I am. Oh, how
3: old am I? 36.
2: Oh, we're almost the exact same age. So, um, you, so I'm 35. So I, I graduated from college and then the financial crisis just like, uh, completely knocked me on my ass. And I've just, Mm and I've, and I've lived with that as like my formative financial experience. Um, and like, and, and then here come the Zoomers. They were, they were entering, you know, this like, This like extreme bear market, you know, record climbing of the Dow. Um, Everybody was like, uh, no, it's prosperity from here on in. How could markets don't crash? And then uh, now we're having, you know, this is like almost certainly going to be as bad as if not way worse than that crisis and another generation <laughs> is financially ruined they don't even get to finish they were going to they were about to finish college and they don't even get to do that um and then and then they're going to enter the job market during another horrible recession um so yeah we're we're we're, we're the <laughs> the faith in the our faith in the our faith in the sort of like marketplace was totally rocked by that the faith of the generation after us Totally rocked by that. So, um, yeah, I, d- I don't, I don't foresee people. Uh, I don't foresee a lot more people reading. Um, um, what's his name? The guy who wrote the end of history. Oh, uh, Fukuyama. Yeah, yeah. francis I don't see a lot of people reading Francis Fukuyama anymore and thinking like, oh yeah, everything. <laughs> this is the way things are now. Everything it's just. It's just going to be boring. It's just going to be boring. People in suits. Um, uh uh sort of being puppet masters of our of our economy and we're all just gonna kind of work in this work in this system forever and that's that's the rest of time. It looks like that's not how it's gonna work out it didn't shake out that way change changes
3: the norm right
2: yeah. yep it,
3: on the on a, on the on the on the scale of things changes the norm everything changes all the time um nothing lasts forever so and it's yep. still like i said still early days to to even see where this is gonna go,
2: yeah. Um uh, yeah but i mean but i have a brain disease where i where i have to where i can't i can't live in the present moment i um if i'm if i'm scared of the present moment it's because i'm scared of
3: <laughs> what i think you're is constantly you're constantly down the line catastrophizing yeah. just yeah. all the time <laughs> yeah i mean that's i mean everyone feels that way to a certain extent right now right i think um especially if you're plugged if you're too online and you're plugged into the to the news uh, then it's just it's bad, It we, you, and I should both log off of Twitter. Uh, but I know that we can't.
2: I've been uh, watching a lot of Michael Bay movies, and uh, really, yeah, that, that's that's been nice. I've enjoyed that. Is like like the movie Pain and Ga- the Michael Bay movie Pain and Gain, starring Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, is a really really nice escape from all of this. I can't think of anything further from COVID time than Pain and Gain, the movie directed by Michael Bay. Highly Our, recommend. Ten out of for- ten. Uh,
3: producer Kevin Nodell, uh, who isn't with us at the moment, which I'll explain why in a, in a minute, it's not good. Um, also a huge fan of pain and gain actually. Wow, okay, And he's been trying to get me to watch it for forever.
2: Oh, well, I mean, run, don't walk. <laughs> um, uh, I am going to wrap
3: things up here. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show and working through both of our anxieties
2: Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll, yeah. I, will continue, I will continue trying to figure out whether I'm doing it right or wrong, but uh, it was good to talk about it.
3: Absolutely. And kind of to, to let you guys know what's going on with Kevin, he was in the Middle East or he is in the Middle East uh, doing a bunch of reporting there. Um, uh, he's probably going to try to call in here the next week or two to do an episode about kind of what COVID looks like from what he's seeing and how it's kind of, you know, screwing up a war. Uh, but at the moment he was set to fly back at the end of March. Um, I believe his flight has just been canceled and he's trying to figure out a way to get out of the middle East as we speak. Uh, and like so many other things, we don't know what's going to happen. Jesus Christ. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, you come to war college to be, uh, to hear that depressing ending. So I've given it to you. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much for listening, and please
0: be safe out there. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com.